Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Because even if they fall short and they don't pass that test, they're going to be a better hunting dog because of it. All right, it's the time you've been waiting on since last week. GDIY is back here with Austin and our buddy Adam Williams. GDIY, baby. Adam, what's going on? Not much. Happy to be here. Yeah, so uh, for everybody listening, we're just kind of... Here at the house, just grilling out, grilling some burgers, and uh, we all met through training and and the NAVDA chapter here, and with our test coming up next week, we thought it might be a good time to just break down what the natural ability test and utility test is and give everybody a a glimpse of how uh, good and or bad mine and Alston's dogs are doing right now, and Adam's here just to tag along and maybe play mediator to where me and Austin are arguing too much. And Adam has the very important role of being the field marshal for our for our tests yeah. that are coming up. So he's going to be laying down the law today during the podcast and when we run this test here in a few days. Don't let the power go to your head too much. No, that's why before we started, I was like, hold on, let me get this uh, rule book in case you guys <laughs> dispute anything. I can say, well, this is what the rules say. Yeah, so we have the actual legit navda rule book as we go through here so if we do start debating or arguing what's important what's not important we we can refer back and uh, maybe settle some disputes here but uh so why don't you tell everybody what y'all got done earlier today as far as training goes and then we'll get into all this stuff Stu. yeah just earlier today we went out there and just did some duck searches adam just for you listeners out there, Adam has done the NA test with his. He's got a German short hair. Well, actually, Adam, you tell everybody about your dog. Yeah, so I got a German short hair. It's a little over a year old. Did the NA test. Uh, what month are we in here? Did the NA test back in the spring with him and then immediately started force fetch. That took about four months of my life. And then <laughs> uh, started transitioning that to duck search. And he's doing really well. I'm. I'm of the opinion, really, this is what I've been mentored to do by the guys I was trained with before I moved here, was to finish duck search before you work on steadiness. The idea 
the logic behind it is you're you could confuse the dog from telling him in one training session to stand still don't move no matter what and then the next one go out and be very independent i could see both sides of the coin but for now i'm following what i've yeah been asked you know not been asked to do but been advised what would be best for the the dog that i have yeah. so um, he's doing good right now in duck search I mean, the yeah few sessions you've had him out on he's killed it yeah and i'm ready to move on to steadiness so today <laughs> I, you know i'm ready to move to the next thing i'm i'm enjoying the journey but i'm also going okay i want to see what's next i yeah. want to get i want to continue to challenge my dog and today nick and i are watching my dog mitchell and i'm thinking this is it this is my if if Nick and I were judges for a minute, we'd say, yeah, that was a four. Now I can move on to steadiness. And uh, he dropped the duck <laughs> halfway back. So the search part was good, but then the retrieving portion, I was like, what on earth? That hasn't happened. So, you know, as soon in, as you do good all, at one thing, all, you drop the other. In all fairness, though, we have to talk about why he, yeah. uh, why we assume that he dropped the duck. And uh, just to give a little background, so Friday I went out there with a buddy and uh, we, we did some duck searches and we were just using dead ducks. Uh, I think we had one live duck, but so we had, ideally you want the dog to find the live duck that you have tethered out there or placed out there on the uh, pond, but you have some dead ducks in the bag or scattered out. Just the, the main purpose is you want your dog to get the reward for searching for it. Well, we went through Lucy, we went through Porter, Jim's dog, and uh, so we went through a couple dogs, and neither one of them found this one dead duck. And so after about 30, 40 minutes, so, uh, we, we were ready to wrap it up, and I just I had Rachel in the truck. She's not training for the test. She's been there, done that. And uh, I'm like, well, let's just clean up the pond real quick. And I sent her out, out there, and after about eight minutes, she found the dead duck, and she brought it back. And I noticed it's kind of kind of dangling funny and uh she swam back i'm like what is up with this duck and she gives it to me and something in that pond had cleaned this dead duck and it was a frozen duck too it wasn't thawed out or anything and it was just cleaned down to the bone and i'm like jim it's got to be a snapping turtle or something i have no idea what else could you get need to into call it. turtle man down here so, something <laughs> give him so, to check it out yeah, so, so that, today today adam sends mitchell out there and all, he gets about three quarters of the way back and drops the duck and i was like what the crap oh, and yeah. uh he he makes him go retrieve it then he brings it back and he thinks that you know i'm just a guy that takes <laughs> ducks with holes in it out there to train with i'm like nah man this is that turtle i was telling you about there's some kind of <laughs> crazy turtle out there in this pond i don't know yeah the old percy priest <laughs> snapper i don't know what it is the, le the legend of the percy snapper there it is right there yeah. <laughs> we do need to look up that turtle man's number remember that guy that had the tv show the, on, yeah, yeah didn't he get arrested or something well, wouldn't he get him down here because <laughs> we got one snapping turtle acting like i want to get him turtle. out of that pond man you know, you never know. That could be so bad here, news. I'll be the mediator. Back to dog training. <laughs> there, there you go. See, there's a reason why we brought him onto this. Right. So, but, yeah, you guys had a good, yeah, uh, productive. So we, we had a good duck tra uh, search training deal today. And uh, Mitch, I think uh, Adam's forgiven Mitchell, and I think he realizes it. That's just a very rare, unforeseen circumstance. And I, I, I'd say you'd, yeah. you'd be good to go in the field now. No, I was real happy with it. And I think it ties into what you guys are wanting to talk about today uh, with training and being a do-it-yourself dog trainer, yeah. you know, gun dog it yourself. Immediately, I'm going, man, everything's perfect. This is exactly what I want. And then I'm like, this has never happened before. 
This is a criminal offense. I've got to correct it. So then I tell him fetch. I give him a, a tap on the collar. Well, he goes back out searching for another duck. Can't fault him for that, but and that kind of gets into the different commands we talked about afterwards with yeah. hold, fetch, search, different things like that. Uh, so I ended up going over. I had to call him out of the water, which none of us really like that either. When you're telling your dog yeah. to go out, the last thing you want to do is call him back. Yeah. But I think under those circumstances, I had to call him back, and then I, I just drug him. I didn't want to walk over to the duck by myself and give the dog the idea, hey, if you don't want to pick it up, I will. So I drug him over by the collar. Not too rough, but he, he knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, got about 10 feet away, told him to fetch, and then I made him stay there, walked back kind of around the corner of the pond, close, not not really close to where we had uh, sent from, but the same concept, yeah. and forced him to deliver to hand. So, And then got to do a resend. He, he killed the resend. And he found, a, you know, yeah. found the other... Dead We're just going to blame it on there. Nick's mutilated duck. Yeah. yeah, so Nick brings these shot-up ducks out there to train duck search. Hey, it's, it's that dang turtle, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help the turtle, the wildlife out there. It happens. Uh, but, yeah, so if if you guys didn't really follow what, what Adam was talking about on the duck search, we're – we're going to touch on that here in a little bit when we talk about utility tests and duck search and just viewpoints on this. Uh, we're not really going to break down every single section in just crazy detail tonight. This is more about the 10,000-foot view over it all, and we're going to go through each section. But as far as training for each section, we can really spend an episode or two on each section of this test if we really wanted to. So we're just going to kind of go over it in a general standpoint, just so you guys know what the NA test is, what the utility test is, the reasoning behind it, uh, kind of what we expect from our dogs, what the judges are looking for, and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, we just figured that it was a great time because fall testing is coming in. A lot of people are are trying to get these utility test dogs in and NA test dogs so that they can uh, move on to next season. But also that it's kind of the wrap up of training season and then we're moving on to hunting. And that's why we do all of this. We, we don't do it just to just get the plaques on the wall or the ribbons. We do it so that our dogs are better hunters. Right. So Austin is running his his young dog Cash again in the natural ability test. And oh, yeah. So uh, we'll just start with the natural ability test and kind of go over real real quick. Let's uh, Austin, in your viewpoint, let's say what you think the NA test is really designed for and what what the purpose of it is. All right, guys. So this is your puppy test in the Navida world. Um, there's in my mind, it's for a few things. A lot of people want to say that. Your natural ability test is to really see what those inherited traits are from the the parents of that dog. Um, obviously, that's a component to it. Um, you know, we, we're going to get into how much stock we're going to put into these natural ability tests at some point. But, uh, you know, I think it also stands for some other things as well. Um, really, it's, it's looking into the development of that dog and, and how quickly I believe some of these dogs can do things just with exposure you know, to some birds and uh, other things, um, other scenarios that you're putting them in front of. Um, but at the end of the day, you are, you're, 
there's a debate whether you even trained for this test or not, you know, but at the end of the day, it's getting a young dog out there that is not a utility level dog or a UPT level dog and just seeing what it can do and really um, getting a decent idea of what issues you may have in the future with that dog and how to adapt your training to uh, address those issues. So that's, that's what I see, you know, the natural ability test, uh, geared towards yeah I, I agree with pretty much all of that uh, when also says there's a debate kind of whether you train or don't train for na test just be perfectly honest we kind of we're on opposite sides of the spectrum on that uh it's i look at it more of a tool for breeders to use to know whether their breeding stock and their planning for litters is effective and for people doing research in their breeders and litters uh, I, I believe the younger, the better in the NA test. As soon as the dog kind of naturally shows the instinct to do pointing, searching, whatever, uh, I feel like you should run that test. And whether it's a prize three, prize two, prize one, that to me is your honest, quote unquote, honest uh, score. And so people that are looking at your dog later on or looking at the lineage, they have a better representation of what's in it. But there's there's also sentiment uh, we were talking about earlier tonight on the opposite side of the, side of the spectrum. Uh, so, some people, they don't know anything about this world. They don't expose their dog at all to any of this stuff. And they just show up, and the dog kind of gets a lesser score just because it hasn't been exposed to anything. So you have that side of the spectrum, but then you have the people, you can run the NA test up to 16 months old on these dogs. And some people, they just, they want that piece of paper. They want that plaque. They want that maximum score. So they will take that dog and train that dog until they're 16 months old for a puppy test and uh, get a maximum score on it. And Hey, it, that's what, that's your prerogative. It's your dog. I don't have anything against it, but me personally, when I'm looking at a dog's pedigree and lineage, I want to see the younger and the most more, the most natural score possible for that dog's instincts. And that personally just tells me more about the dog. Yeah. So the other end of the spectrum, in my opinion, you, you know, the, one of the spectrum you're talking about is the guy that overtrains. An example of that would be maybe I force fetch the dog. Then I run him in natural ability, and when it comes time to the wa- to go to the water, the dog that doesn't want to enter the water, I have forced or trained, whatever word you want to use, this dog to in retrieve something. And yeah. now it's going to enter the water, so you're not getting an accurate thing. But the opposite end of that is if you don't prepare the dog. So instead of the, using the word train, I don't think you need to train for it, but you need to prepare yourself and the dog. Exposure to gunfire, exposure to water in the right way and then it gives the dog a fair shake and then gives an accurate representation so some of the scores i see i try to read the story behind it i'm like was this the the person that got the dog and the breeder said i really want you to run natural ability and they said oh okay that's yeah i'll go do that on a saturday and they show up and and the first brief they're getting on it is from the judge that goes (laughs) yeah do this with your dog now (laughs) oh okay of course you're you're not going to get a great score. And then there's the other end of the spectrum that's yeah. uh, the prize one. You're like, okay, was that really natural? So sometimes 
there's a fine some, line. Yeah, it is. and there's you, some middle you, scores where you go, that's probably the more accurate representation. Yeah, and you don't know one way or the other because if you don't know these dogs personally, you don't know the handlers personally, you don't know exactly what the true story is. And and that's why we're going to get to talk about utility tests later on. You know, if you can pair together all these test scores and, and see, even in the NAVDA system, you can look at – uh, one dog and on that dog you can see its individual test scores if it's tested multiple times and what it scored throughout uh, you know it's it's life it can it can develop the full picture for you so totally what Adam's talking about is accurate you don't know for a fact what the true exposure was for that dog if there was any preparation at all or if there was over preparation yeah right. and the biggest thing and you know this is where we get into where Nick was talking about you know, for breeders to use um, use these scores as a way to help determine, stick. yeah, help determine what pairings they want, right? You know, you don't want to fall under the. It's it's a careful thing there because you don't want to have a dog that's bred that has a prize one score and natural ability that wasn't tested to the full utility level, but only entered that water because you did the force fetch like Adam talked about. And so that's where that utility score with the duck search and everything, if they have, it's, let's say maybe you do have a dog that you force fetch before you did natural ability and it, it, it enters the water, you know, and then you also have a max score in the duck search from the utility. I mean, Hey, what does it really matter that you force fetch it beforehand? So it's one of those deals where at the end of the day, you know, you, you need to be able to piece all the puzzles together, use all the test scores to help with future breedings and evaluate yep. these dogs. So bottom line is we're going to do our best because all three of us, this is the game that we play. This is what we enjoy doing. We do this all the time. So one of us is going to try and keep the other two out of the weeds. We know that not everybody, especially if you're brand new to this world and you don't know anything about NAVDA, you just said we just said a whole bunch of stuff that just went over your head and you're like, what the crap are they talking about? That's what we're going to try and break down for you tonight. And we can, we can debate on our own time. What, what we think the NA test and utility test measures and all that fun stuff. But here we're going to try and just give you the basis of what the NA and utility test is the different sections and why we care about that really. And this is a 10,000 foot view guys. We're not judges here. We're telling you this from a handler's perspective. Okay. And really honestly as novice dog trainers and handlers, we've done this for a few years, but we're not experts by any means. So, um, to, to start out with, since you're running cash in the NA test, we are going to interview you. Let's do it. So we're going to go through each section of this NA test fairly quickly. Uh, and we're going to just talk about what, what your thoughts are on where cash is at and what you think the challenges are here in a couple weeks. Yeah. So everybody, really the NA test, like we already talked about, is to measure the natural ability of the te- dog. That's, that's the whole reasoning why this test was developed. So there's really three main sections of this test as a puppy. You have the uh, field portion to where the dog dog is going to go out there and there's going to be a gunfire. They're going to gauge the dog's uh, acknowledgement of gunfire, whether it's gun sensitive. Then they're going to gauge the dog's use of nose, search, cooperation, desire to work, and pointing in the field. Okay, I know that sounded like a lot, but... 
it, it's really not. We're going to try and break each one of those down for you guys. But uh, so let's start with the field portion before we go into the next one, and let's just take a bite at a time. So, so field portion. Yeah. Where's cash at on the field portion? And let's let's explain this in terms of what how people will you know brand new to this is going to understand and possibly explain what you and the judges are looking for. Money, baby, in the field. Money. No, why you name him cash? Cash money. <laughs> Now, I might eat crow on this later, but he's um, he's he's good in the field as far as use of nose. He shows great pointing ability. Uh, I, yesterday, I did have him out and he bumped a bird. You know, didn't didn't point it, but he's recovering. Did really well on the remainder of the birds in the field. Um, has a great independent search. Has well, re- let's circle back pointing. Yeah. At the NA level, we are, they aren't, the judges aren't looking for a point all the way steady to flush or shot. They just want to see that the dog has in its DNA the desire to point a bird. I smell a bird, stop, freeze, point. Cash is kind of beyond that on pointing. Yep. So, but that is, if you, if you have a dog and it's seven, eight months old, all that they're looking for is a very distinct what, – what are the words that they're actually looking for, Adam? Intense, uh, convincing, unmistakable, and productive. I, I think that was awesome. You recited yeah. that <laughs> so, pretty hey, good. Now you got to study your trade, right? <laughs> Not that it's my trade, but it's, you know, it's my passion. So. Yeah. So unmistakable, unmistakable. That yeah. that's the main thing, and it doesn't have to stay steady for an extended period of time. So Cash has that down. Search, that more is – Will that dog independently search that field in front of you looking for game? Yep. How is he on that? He does great on that. You know, um, there's there's a few things that go into that. Uh, as long as he is working with me, I'm fine. You know, he's at a good distance. I'm fine. It's checking in. I'm good. You know, there can be an issue on searching where a dog will – not be hunting with you, right? And I think that can get into your search score a little bit. I haven't had too big of an issue with that on on Cash. Um, he does get rangy a little bit, and, uh, you know, it's not been an issue for us. He's out there. He's independently searching. He's a high-drive dog. So that, to me, is not a problem. I don't okay. think, I don't think uh, rangy – if that's what you call it, you just call it rangy. I think I did. Yeah, <laughs> rangy. I don't. Yeah, we know what you mean. A, a dog that likes to work further away yep. than some dogs. I don't think that's the issue. That that's not a cooperation issue. I've seen judges test that test cooperation when they see a dog that has a, a further range. Mm-hmm. They might say, "Don't call your dog. Let's walk in this direction now. See what he does. See what the dog does. Does the dog turn and work with you? Or they'll say." Let's head over this way. You know, can you can you kind of call your dog in this direction and see see what happens? I mean, if right. you call your dog, they're not expecting a a finished uh, command where the dog comes all the way to you or where the dog turns on a dime they're and just, starts yeah. casting in another direction. They're just trying to make sure that the but, puppy is acknowledging where you're at at all times. Right? Is it going the opposite you. direction? Because now we're because there's no, and that's a good point too. Because obedience is not tested in natural ability, right? So right. what that potentially, you know, it gets confused with is the cooperation aspect of yeah. of the test. 
And I'm and, still confused about it, by the way. Yeah, it, look, the difference in cooperation and obedience. <laughs> I understand some of it, but it's it's still very confusing. I think it goes back to what you were talking about, where if you give the command to the dog, it's not necessarily if you give a hear command, he's got to come right to you and come, you know, make contact with you. But he's got to acknowledge you and see which direction you're going, or kind of get a feel, you know, get the vibe from you on what you want out of him. And if he responds in that way. He doesn't have to fully comply with the command, but just acknowledges it and gives respect to you. Yeah, to, to me, the difference between cooperation and obedience is obedience is that robo dog. Obedience is a dog that's been drilled and trained over and over and over again with the commands, and you have to verbally tell that dog what to do. Cooperation is that dog that picks up on your mannerisms and your uh, your actions without you having to command the dog to follow you and. So real quick, guys, so this is the field portion, but there are, there, are, there are a few things that are getting graded throughout the entirety of the test in every section, and cooperation is one of those. Yeah. Cooperation, desire to work, and use of nose is all applied in every section of the test. So that's why when a lot of people go to these tests and if they haven't looked into it, they get upset because, hey, what? how am I doing? Am I passing? You know, the, the judges honestly cannot tell you because there's – there's certain things that get graded on through the entirety of the test and not just each portion. Right. And so yeah, if they gave you an update that said you're sitting at a four in cooperation <laughs> right now, it's great. Yeah. It yeah. could be 30 but, seconds later, you're, like, you're uh, at a zero right yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. And so, that brings up one thing I want to hit on. I, you know, I, I said that cash was money in the field. The one issue that we could get, number one, obviously I hope that he points the birds. Okay. But second thing is this. Delayed chases, okay? And this is what I think you get tagged on for cooperation issues in the field when it's being observed, observed in the field is that say my dog goes on point and say that the judge instructs me to approach the dog and flush that bird. Well, if, you know, we'll say this, this is the first flush where they want to see the dog chase or want to see its reaction. Say the dog chases that bird, comes back to me. We want to be able to hunt in a different direction after that flush occurs and after that sequence occurs, right? So a delayed chase occurs when, after you're done with that sequence, that dog still wants to go hunt that bird that flew off, and he won't recall back to you, right? And so that could be an issue that arises with us. Um, it's it's. I got to jump in and say something right there. Yeah, holler so at the, <laughs> Earlier when we talked about... Uh, The, like the balance between cooperation and independence and stuff like that. Yes. I think, I think you have to know your dog. Mm -hmm. So you, we were saying earlier, you got to prepare not the dog, not just the dog, but yourself too. So spending time with your dog and knowing how long he's going to spend on a bird that's out there. What kind of chase did you call it? Where a bird delayed chase. A delayed chase. chase. Knowing how long he's going to spend, so don't call your dog immediately. That takes time in the field to know, all right, I need to let my dog screw around for like 45 seconds, then call him. Otherwise, it's going to look like he's being non-cooperative because he's Any, not right. Anybody back. running this test, here's a very big piece of advice for you. Do not give your dog a command unless the judges tell you to give that command. Because guess what? Right. You can't get docked on cooperation by giving the dog a command that you didn't give. Yeah. 
but it, the judges will tell you like, okay, call your dog over here, and then you you got to call your dog. Yeah. But uh, bottom line is, cash is pretty solid in the in the field. Yeah. And so, uh, to be perfectly honest, you have already run the NA test. Yeah, you're doing it again. That leads us to into the next section. Is Cash did a, a great score on the NA test? Also, just kind of because he knows that Cash can do a better job on the score. You know, at this point, Austin has the true reading on the NA test. Now he just he's he's wanting a better score because he knows the dog can do better. He got docked on cooperation and tracking. Tracking. Right? That yeah. was the only two things he got docked on. So let's go into the tracking because the field he was fine on cooperation. It is what it is at a young puppy. Some puppies just they don't have that yeah. cooperation deal. We ran, we ran when he was eight months and a day old, and he is full of piss and vinegar. Okay, uh, so that was one of the one of the deals I'm sure with our cooperation uh, hit. But the other issue is is with the tracking that um, Nick just mentioned. So this is. This is, I think, going to be our biggest struggle in the test, and um, it's something that really, man, I hate to to train like they do the tracking portion of the test, you know, yeah. and, and that is because the tracking portion of this test, your dog is asked to follow a live pheasant track. What they do is try to simulate a crippled uh, pheasant in the field by taking a live pheasant, plucking some flight feathers, laying a feather pile down, and uh, then basically getting that pheasant to run off on a, they're wanting to use a, a eight to 10 inch grass field, but it really varies guys. I've seen this done on something that's pretty slick, honestly, in short yeah, grass golf greens. Yeah. And then uh, I've seen it done in hip, hip high yeah, stuff. Yeah. So the deal is, is that that pheasant is supposed to create a track and you need to bring your puppy up to that, that feather pile and just let him go to town. And he's supposed to track that bird and you're supposed to see the active advancement down that track, whether it's jumping the track, meaning from right to left to confirm which direction the, the bird's gone, zigzagging. Yeah. Or just advancement to where there's acknowledgement. And it, I don't think it says this in the book, but there's some unmistakable you know, acknowledgement that, hey, I'm following this whatever direction that you're supposed to be going towards this live bird that I know is out here. And so um, the tracking, this is, we've we've all talked about it before. To me, this is possibly my biggest pet peeve in all of NAVDA. I don't understand how you're doing a puppy test in one portion you're trying to grade to pointing, and then another portion you want, the dog to essentially track or chase a, a live bird. I know what the judges say. They say, well, it can track the bird and then it can point it at the end. It's like, yeah, but this, you know, some of these people are training with a five, six month old puppy. It's not going to know the difference, but this is to me, it's like, yes, we want to see use of nose, but this is the most kind of contradictory section of NAVDA in my opinion is, Hey, your puppy, you're supposed to point in this field, but in this field, you're supposed to chase and track this this bird. And what and what he's getting at is is that most of the time in these tracks, if you're on a hot track like that, this dog is not going to point the pheasant at the end of the track. Some of them do. Yeah, some of them do, but most of the time, I would say that dog jumps in and grabs the yeah. pheasant, and you hope for a retrieved a hand to help your cooperation score out or whatever. If the dog points it, then I've heard you get a, a better pointing score, or it helps your pointing it can score. Help you. But the thing is, guys, is that that's why I was saying I don't necessarily like to train like we test on that issue because I don't want my dog 
thinking that it's okay for him to grab a live upland bird. bird. So the other testing organizations, they actually use fur game in this. And and I understand what they're getting at. It's cripple game. I I get that. I I see their point of view on some of this stuff. But at the same time, to me, it's just not – the timing of it seems a little off to me. Uh but that, that that's just me. I'm not king of the universe over here. A- Adam, what's your take on it? I think it's really neat, and I don't understand how it works, but a dog can tell the difference in a dead bird and a live bird. A yeah, dog yeah. will retrieve a dead bird. It'll it'll point a live bird. Some dogs will point dead, but it's usually a yeah. young dog, or it's just so genetically inherent that it'll point dead. Yeah. But I think that's a glimpse into it. And, yeah. you know, grouse hunters talk about, a dog that knows how to when to track a bird and when to point a bird and hold yeah. it and and all those things. So this could be a glimpse into that, but um we're asking the dog in the utility test to be very I know I'm skipping way ahead, but but kind of the theme in Avda is I'm asking the dog to be very independent one moment and then very cooperative the next. Cooperative the next. And there's cooperation that goes with independence, yeah. but Sometimes you're asking the dog to do two totally different things, and I think I think those dogs understand the difference. Yeah, better than we do. Eventually, <laughs> they do. It, it, it's just again, if you're testing that that really young six month old pup, they may not have it. But that's why some people say hold off and wait and test test the dog. Whereas I say test it as early as possible. It's it's you know it twelve one way half dozen the other. Yeah. It, it's really it. But uh and let me tie this in. So the reason that I said this is gonna be our hardest section here is cause Cash is what we said earlier, a high drive dog. Okay. He has a natural inclination to search. We've seen him do amazing tracks. I've seen him do a ridiculous track on the first pheasant that he ever got exposed to and I was freaking over the moon about it. But um I've also seen him break into searches as well and and lose that concentration on that track. And so when you get a high drive dog, you know, there's a lot of people that'll even tell you, you don't want to have a dog actually independently tracking except for like the very first time that it happens is on test day. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of different ways to go about actually training for that. It's like Lucy. I did one track, saw that she had it in her. Never did another one. And, and that's what we did. So before I ran cash in his first uh, NA test, um, the, the only other one we've done, I put him on two pheasants. The first one he killed, and then like the week before the test, I did it again, and he didn't do so hot, and then I freaked out and was like, I got to do some tracks. Yeah, you got scared. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is the one that I don't understand how to – well, I know how to train for it. But I don't know what the sweet spot is because same thing happened with Mitchell. Yeah. I did two tracks with him. The first one was kind of okay. The second one, I mean, he followed it, nose to the ground, straight to it, and then pointed it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm like, done. All right, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. But, with, then, he, but then he got a three in tracking. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was gonna say, so with Scout, with my other, with the, my older dog, you know, I had him on three pheasants beforehand and he, he never actually caught the pheasant. He either, number one, followed that track and pointed or somehow lost the track, and I never really worried about it. And we tested, and he got a three on tracking, and we got a prize one on that. And I was like, well, I'm not going to try to be greedy and get a four. I'm out of here, you yeah. know, and so I didn't worry about it anymore. But that's like what you're saying. It's it's a tough – it's a 
kind of a weird thing, you know, to, yeah. to train for and to, you know, think about as far as what we're asking the dogs yeah. to do. And then, well, and then when I, when my dog got a three, I couldn't tell you why he got a three instead of a four or a two or anything else. I mean, and that's why the tracking portion is known to be the most subjective and water's really the most objective and definitive. The water's pretty easy to, to judge. Not yeah. that any of us are judges, but I think yeah. it's pretty easy. Well, water's easy. It's, do you go in the water or do you not? Uh, yeah. If you don't go into the water, the dog doesn't go in the water, uh, immediately you have the option to use a live bird. You can still pass the test with a live bird, but you're not going to get the maximum score with the bird. And it's going to be notated on the test score for your pedigree that hey, you use a live bird. Not the end of the world. Cause again, we're training these dogs to hunt. What do you want these dogs to do in water? Go get your bird. So it's, it's not, the it's end pretty of the world. funny actually that we penalize people for the bird. And well, they just want to see again, it's that cooperation level. Uh, you ask the dog to go get the bumper in the water and the dog refuses or, yeah. or is it going to go I to get it. And it's just, and it just wants to know, is the dog naturally skittish of water? Does it have to have a bird to get in there? Can just a rubber object get yeah. in the water or whatever, but you know, so, real quick cash goes into water. Oh yeah. I think you got a four. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so not to belittle the water. Cause some people do have issues with that. But again, I, to me, that is as purely just puppy natural instinct. Or introduction, did you actually take the time to take your dog to the water and introduce it to water properly? Or, you know, some dogs, they hate water, but more than likely it's just you didn't take the time with the puppy to go put it in water, the right way at least. And timing is a big part of that, depending on what time of year you get your puppy. Is the water cold? Good point on that. Absolutely. You know, don't take your puppy to the water. I'm probably the worst at being really eager to move on to the next thing and, and see what the dog's capabilities are. So I'll, if I didn't know any better, I would take the puppy to the water in the cold and go, okay, well, that's, that's what it's bred for. You know, let's throw him in there. Similar to what people do with gunfire. Let's take him to the skeet range, see if he's gun shy. Well, he is now, you know, he's scared of water. Now you just trained him to be scared of water. So I I use my kids with stuff like that. Uh, have used them in the past. If, if the dog hasn't been introduced to water already, get the kids out there playing the water. Yep. Don't even don't even look at it as training. Just let the dog get in there with the kids. If you got kids, or you know, get out there and just have a good time in the water. The dog will come out there. If it doesn't, don't force the issue. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so that's just come much- back the next day and force it. Right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's pretty much water. The judges will after the water. They're gonna. Uh, look at some of the physical attributes. They're going to look at coat, density, teeth, eyes, testicles, stuff like that. If anything stands out to them that needs to be notated on the pedigree, it, it will be. But, uh, but that actually, just as a side note there, you're not actually scored on, say, if your dog doesn't have the right furnishings or the confirmation's a little off. You're not given, like, a no pass or a prize yeah. three. Because It'd be a little strange if the judges gave a pass or no pass on testicles, but... I don't know. I was, <laughs> those things are important by the way but uh you know i'm talking about coat all that stuff teeth if yeah. there's any overbite anything like that yeah, yeah it's and, just a courtesy to say here's how we yeah, grade yeah. this coat yeah yeah and if it comes up don't be like hey a nav judge said that this is it I, I don't ever need to breed my dog go just take it to the vet get get an actual professional opinion after that because these judges are great but some of them they're just they're regular people yeah. who volunteer all judges in navda are volunteers 
So, you know, just if you're concerned, that concerned about a physical attribute uh, criteria, go to a vet and ask a question. Very last thing. The only thing that I know of on natural ability that is a pass-fail situation, uh, kind of in the field or whatever, but it's the gun-shy issue. If a dog is gun-shy, then it's a no prize, okay? That's and the only thing I just wanted to hit on. That's not the dog. This goes back to the field portion. As soon as you, when you go in the field and you're leading out into the field, there's going to be a gunner behind you. This is the only gunfire throughout the entire NA test. And they're going to fire a blank off behind it. And they want to make sure that that dog isn't going to just bolt or run back to the truck on that gunfire. Uh, there's a difference between gun shyness and gun sensitive. Some dogs will acknowledge gun and give it a little, just just a little bit too long of a thought. Just say, "Hey, what the heck was that?" They might put gun gun sensitive instead of gun shy. But if they give you a gun shy, they're not even going to continue the field portion uh, because that dog just bolted and went back to the truck and said, "See you later." They may continue it. We need to check the rule book on that. But well, yeah, I, di- I didn't know that that was immediate. Uh, disqualification. Well, that's what I've heard at some point. <laughs> so yeah, I I think I don't really know. My understanding was that that was a courtesy as well as to whether or not it was because they're still going to evaluate the dog and all the other things. I don't think they just call it. Yeah. But and, and the dog can show. I'll just talk while you guys flip through the pages. Yeah, we're going to break <laughs> this down. We're going to get the black letter so, law. Here. Yeah, that's why we got all the books out. But uh, the dog can show interest. The dog can stop when, when the gun is fired. The dog can perk up. Um, but if it, if it shows that it's scared of the gunfire or in any way associates it with a bad thing, then that's where the dog would be rated as, as gun shy. It says here, dogs judged as being gun shy may not qualify for a prize classification, but are permitted to complete the remaining test. That's right. Yeah, that does that does sound right. So they'll let you continue if you want to, but they're still not going to give you a prize score, even if they knock out every other section of it. Because again, we're this whole organization is based on hunting dogs and gun dogs. Yeah, and uh, it's Can't hard be to scared have. Of the gun a gun dog if you can't have a gun around the dog yeah so when they read scores at the end of the day it might sound like you know four 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 zero four 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 no prize yeah because he's gunshot God, that, I, would, that would not be good but this that also goes into what we were talking about earlier introducing the dog correctly to these things before the test you don't want to show up in the first bird that this dog's ever been around is on the na test same thing with gunfire Every training weekend that we do, primarily I'm helping these these first-time owners with their puppies introduce birds and gunfire because it's, you look on the internet and there's all kinds of crazy crap out there telling you how to introduce dogs to gunfire. It's like, oh, yeah, your dog's six weeks old? Go throw it in the truck and go to the gun range. You'll find out real quick if it's gunshot or not. Well, yeah, if you're an idiot uh, – but anyway, uh, utility utility test. Let's do it. You've been harping on some natural ability, yeah. which I'm all about. But you know, we got to get the utility in here. Yep. What the? That's what they came for. We need to give these listeners what they want to hear. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> the utility test. This is NABDA's uh, kind of finished dog test. This is a dog. This is a test that determines whether your dog is prepared and able to. Uh, to 
hunt in different scenarios, all different scenarios, wherever you go, upland, water, uh, whatever. It's that that's really what it is, and then uh, it also determines whether your dog can qualify to go to the invitational and the versatility championship. So that is kind of the the uh, top dogs of NAVDA. You cannot you cannot even compete in the natural or invitational test without getting a prize one, which is essentially a gold medal in the utility test. So that's the only way that you qualify. So if you score this year a prize one, then that means you qualify for next year's invitational, and then you can take that. So, BC, yeah. A shout out, by the way. We have some. Uh, they're actually, I think, doing the. They may have just finished up the invitational. This past weekend was the invitational test, and so congratulations to everybody that just passed the the uh, invitational and got that VC on their title. Uh, for anybody that's just entering the NAVDA game they or n- have no clue what NAVDA is, guys, it's it's really an accomplishment, the time and energy and effort and know-how to, to put that title on the dog. Uh, it, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do with your dog. Yeah, and um, that's something all of us in this room are aspiring to do. So we're going to – that's why we're working hard not only to – Going to the, the tippy top, baby. Going to the tippy top and then hunt them dogs. Yeah. Get them ready and hunt yeah. them. So shout out to everybody that did that. Congratulations. I know that at least one dog from all of our kennels that we have our dogs from uh, passed. So that's shout true. out to yeah. Hunting Hills Kennels, Sharpshooters, and then Friedelsheim. So that's uh, that's <laughs> a big deal. The who's who. <laughs> yeah. But uh, – to get to the Invitational, again, you got to start with the utility. And uh, just real quick side note, there is what they call a UPT, Utility Preparatory Test. If you if you want to test utility, but you're not 100% sure if your dog is ready or able or you just want to take it slow, just kind of get a, a, a measuring stick out, you can take this test and it's slightly different. It's very similar on most of the wet methods, but there's a slight differences. But it's not an actual official score. It's not. It's not an actual prize. No pat. Like it, they'll tell you, yes, it passed the UPT or it failed. But you're not. Even if you do perfect on that test, you're not going to the uh, invitational. It's just kind of a gauging instrument to see if your dog's ready for utility. You do not have to do it to take utility. And uh, I'm not. So I didn't do it with Rachel last year. I'm not doing it with Lucy this year because the way I look at it is if you're going to spend the money and time training for the UPT, why not just go ahead and do the utility? Test them in utility. Yeah, we're going that's, all that's, in. We're not. That's kind of what I think is if I'm going to spend whatever the chapter's fee is for that test and test them in UPT, at the end of that thing, if the dog did really well that day, I might find myself going – I should man, I should have yeah. just done utility. The only th- I've thought about this a lot. The only thing I can think of where the the UPT utility utility preparatory test would make sense in my mind is for someone that doesn't have a NAVDA mentor, if you want to call yeah. it that, yeah. or or a judge. Like we're all pretty fortunate to have uh, judges in the chapter. The chapter I came from, we had judges, so you could kind. No one's going to give you a score, but you can go. 
hey, what do I need to work on? Well, I think you know? I think to be a chapter, you have to have at least one judge in the chapter, if if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. By fortune, I mean is, we've we've had time to we have to access work with, to the judges. Yeah. You yeah. Know, we we take the time and energy on almost on a weekly basis to to pick their brains and to Absolutely. ask them, hey, can you walk walk us in the field? Uh, Norm is very you know, gracious and lets us train down at his property all the time. And he's always available to just walk with us and give us his thoughts. So, yeah. So sometimes people do have the energy for it, Yeah, they but just, they don't have the time. Right. So they go, okay, I'm going to pay the money because yeah. they have the money too. And I don't want a bad UT test on my dog's record. Cause I don't think he's ready, yeah. but I want an official. Here's a score for a UPT from a judge and I'm willing to pay for it. Right. And I'm willing to wait another season or, or maybe just go test with another another chapter the next yeah. weekend and do the ut test yeah. i mean hey if you want to do the upt test it, more power to you like it, again it's there are certain things that are different i think the time in the field is less you i don't think you even have the duck search in the upt if i remember correctly you do uh, but i think it's a they, shorter duck search and they don't have to show as much okay of a, of the, a search. There, there, there's, there's small differences, but again, if you have the time and uh, it, it's more so if you're actually wanting to test your dog, go ahead and run utility. But if you're, if you're wanting to gauge if your dog maybe has the, has the tools to, to continue testing, may, maybe UPT's for you. It's, uh, it's really up to you. Uh, we're not here to, you know, beat it over the head one way or the other, but. Uh, so yeah, next weekend I'm running Lucy in the utility test, and it's uh, I wasn't planning on running this fall. I was actually she's still very young. She's 16 months now. She's going to turn 17 months the day of the test, and uh, I think the average person that runs this test in NAVDA they're usually running three or four year old dogs in in utility. Usually, um, it's. It, it kind of just surprised me. I was playing on next spring, but Lucy kind of showed all the all the attributes that I needed to see, and I said, "Screw it, let's let's go for it and see what we get." Yeah, and I I've trained with you quite a bit just from being here for a few months, and that dog's got it all. I mean, again, we're not judges, but it's a like I've seen her do prize one work on on every portion of the test, and uh, what will determine her score is what dog shows up that day and, and really how much puppy shows up that day. Yeah. How much puppy shows yeah, up she, that day. She's still got a lot of puppy in her. <clears throat> this but, is something I, I, Nick and I talk about this all the time where it's, you know, we test these dogs at utility, not when we're thinking, okay, our dog might pass on any given day. It's when we think our dog has prize one work, you know, and it's just a matter yeah. of, it all coming together on one day, you know? And, and so, um, that, you know, Adam, your comment made me think of that because I've seen her work too. And obviously Nick and I train together. We all train together quite a bit now. And so it's one of these deals where, you know, if she might not be doing as well on, uh, you know, one issue, I mean, we all think she's going to kill duck search. I don't want to put the car before the horse, but I mean, good God. I mean, that girl is like, (laughs) killing it but it's and and that's what's so funny about this kind of journey training her because she is so young but for people that don't know lucy is a small monsterlander 
they they're known for they obviously have a desire to work and drive, but they're more known for their nose than they are their intensity, especially on point. And she kind of lives up verbatim to that. So she points and she has it, and we've all seen prize one level quality work from her. But uh, I would say that her her weakest uh, asset right now is her pointing. She still points, but it's not staunch. And it just it's gonna kind of depend on which dog we show up, and that's just it. Like Austin was just saying, that we only we only test these dogs when we we expect these dogs we we have confidence that they're gonna pass. But at the end of the day, they're still dogs, and right now Lucy is still a puppy, and so we've seen her to where she goes out there and she'll kill one thing, and I mean just do amazing, and then the next thing she shows a little puppy. She you know that today we went out and did some duck searches and. She did a hell of a search right off the bat, and then she kind of pulled a puppy stage for, what, a minute, minute and a half, and then she clicked right. back over into what she was trying to do, and she, oh, okay, i got to go back out there on the recent. It's just, uh, yeah, I'm going well, in there, I'm expecting a prize, I'm not going to say a, a prize one, and I'm not going to say in what area, because her puppy can show up in, in any, anything. anything. Yeah. So one thing, I mean, the drag especially, it's like the drag... I don't expect any issues out of that, but with her being a puppy, she could completely just go out and just crap the bed on it, and we we just went through this. But I, I'm willing to take that risk because I've seen enough consistency. Consistency so let's, out of her. Yeah, let's do this. How about we reverse this a little bit? Let me ask you some questions since you asked me about the yeah. natural ability. Talk to us about the utility let's go through the different stages because we're hitting on these different things yeah. while we're talking real quick let's break yeah. them down we're, we're trying we're trying to fit both of these tests in in one episode guys so if you have any questions obviously just let us know and we'll try hit and, us up yeah we'll, we'll try and explain it better to you uh so the utility test you have different portions again you have first the field uh field section you have a half hour at least the judges, you know, it's up to their discrepancy if they, they need to see a little bit more, a little bit less. The rule of thumb is 30 minutes. And they want to see a dog have a good search, again, cooperation with you. And they want to see, uh, they even start grading stamina in this test. That's what the 30 minutes is for, making sure that the dog doesn't just after 10 minutes just want to go lay down in the shade and call it quits. Uh, when they go on point, they're grading steady through the fall. That means the dog goes on point. You have to go flush the bird. Someone else shoots the bird. And that dog is to remain steady where she was pointing until you go back and you release her for the retrieve. And then they're grading the retrieve back to you. And so all of that is incorporated into the field portion. Let me just let me add something on overall on utility. The ultimate goal for us is... We all want versatile champions, which means you have to get a prize one in utility. A prize three utility dog for, you know, I haven't interviewed every person that listens to your podcast, <laughs> but the average person uh, would be happy with yeah, a prize, prize three. three utility dog is probably a better dog than what the average person, has the average person has even witnessed. Yes. You know, well, you're talking about getting docked points on, you know, like Olsen's dog Scout gets docked on healing going down to the water because because he's he was given silent commands. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked <laughs> about cares? that yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. Cats out of the bag, but but that is a very 
usable dog, right? Yeah. It sir, it has a utility. Well, he's a proven it. dog. He's he's he, hunted wild yeah. birds it, man. in multiple states, and yep. he's shown up dogs in the duck blind. And he's a short hair pointer, and he's a prize three utility dog. This it, when I, when we say that becoming a versatile champion with these dogs and the Invitational is one of the hardest things you can do in any testing program. We mean it. Just getting there is an accomplishment in and of itself. Dude, I'll sit here and tell you right now. I mean, Scout, Utility Prize 3, I'm proud as hell of that dog for a Prize 3. Yeah. And, I mean, he's sitting there. He has his flaws. I My first dog I've ever trained. But I'm telling you right now, we've both hunted with a lot of dogs at this point. And it is – it's – it's great to have all these prize ones and versatile champions. That's what we all want, you know. But those dogs that may not have the highest scores, you can still hunt the heck out of them, and they do an awesome, awesome job. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a heck of a journey, you know. Yeah. That's the that's the real, I guess, story behind all this right. stuff. Well, uh, to get back on the utility, uh, I think I explained everything on the field. Did I miss anything on the field that y'all saw? Um, there was one thing that I, I didn't have a pen. I was trying to think of Mark, you know, what did I mean to, to say at this point? But there was something about, um, I think, with the – oh, you were talking about he's got to go – the dog's got to go retrieve the bird. This is without commands, guys, right? You, you're allowed to, say, fetch to that dog, and the dog has to go out there and – to get prize one work, I should say. The dog's got to go out there, retrieve to hand – yeah. And you that's know, all the way on. back to you. That's not a drive by. The dog's not running by you with the bird in its mouth, and you reach out and just snag it on its yeah. way by you. It's bringing it to you. Again, they want to see cooperation and working with you, not for itself. Uh, it's not allowed to drop the bird. It's not allowed to play with the bird or any of that. And same thing before the fetch uh, command as well. That dog has established point on his own, and then. There's no woe. There's no woe. There's nothing like that. That dog has to stand there the entire time while that bird is flushed. We need to hit on this, Nick. When you go to, um, or when you go to flush the bird, you also have to swing on that bird like you're shooting it, and you have two other gunners that shoot the bird. You don't have any type of communication with that dog at all. That's a good point. A lot of people's dogs can remain steady if you're sitting there staring at the dog and you're making eye contact. That dog's like, oh, I'm being watched. But as soon as you turn that back on the dog, I'm free. I'm going after that bird. Yeah. You have to have that dog trained up and the confidence that, hey, I'm simulating swinging on that bird, and I have to just be confident that that dog is going to remain steady until you release it. So it's it's a different level Um a lot, a lot of people may say, oh, what do I care about that if I'm flushing back towards a dog? It's like it, it makes a difference. Yeah, so we were talking about steadiness today as I transitioned from duck search to steadiness with Mitchell. Yeah. Um, and I talked through with you. Yeah. You know, here's, here's how I want to work through steadiness. And it involves me being out in front of the dog where I can make eye contact with him. Yep. Baby and, steps. I mean, that's Right, what you baby do. steps. And then I've got to transition away from – I'm totally distracted, and the dog still has to stand there. Yep. That's a lot of baby steps. It's a it lot, especially for a puppy. It is a lot of stuff going on at one time. Yeah. And, and, guys, here's the other thing, too. It's not just Nick and two gunners in the field. You've got a crew of judges as well. Yeah, you have a gallery of judges. You, you're going to have potentially eight to ten people in the field walking yeah. with you. 
And that in and of itself is a game changer yep. for a dog in that scenario. So, so that's to why get I bring ready. my kids when we're training, so they're running around acting crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, it, we we've had people show up to our chapter, and when we have people getting ready for the utility test, if that dog's running, we sit there and say, "All right, everybody up. We need people. We need we need bodies out there." And I mean, we've had a few people. Why do we? Why do I need to go walk in the field? Uh, because we're gonna have you know upwards of ten people walking in the field with that dog it needs to get used to running in the field with that many people because yes you have yourself you have two gunners there's three right there usually you have five judges three real judges two apprentices there's seven right there and usually the the handler has a spouse kids buddies that want to go with it someone taking pictures you can have easily 10 people in the field with you uh the only people that are required to be out there are the judges and gunners. You have the capability of saying, I don't want anybody else out there, you know, sorry, husband or wife, but you know, we're, we're rolling without you. It's uh, it's up to you, but train hard, test easy. That's the mentality with the utility over exaggerate the toughness so that when test day comes, it's easy. And the, the easiest way to explain that is going into what we just touched on with Scout is the heel portion. So we already ca- we kind of covered the field deal. Uh, let's go into the, uh, the heel stakes, the, the water portion, the heel stakes leading up to the steadiness by blind and the duck retrieve. So you have a section, I forget the yardage, it's, it's not that far. But you have heel stakes that your dog is to heel by your side up to a uh, a temporary duck blind. We'll say it's twenty to or maybe thirty yards to forty yards is a better yeah. estimate. Let, let's roll with that. You have a lot of people that train for this in a very lackadaisical mode. Uh, I, I would think that now you can last year you could you can think back last year to where you kind of underestimated the heel. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's something that the dog can sit there and say, or say, the dog can do, <laughs> you're, you know, you what, your dog what you talk? ask it to do easily, you know. I mean, my dog can heal through some stakes, yeah. right? But if you've done a duck search and then you go to heal the dog right next to the freaking pond that you're doing a duck search on, and he just found a duck there. Next to the seven or eight strangers we kind of just talked yeah. on. And he's excited, you know, yeah, I might have shuffled my yeah. feet to slow him down a little bit. And then I didn't know that was against the rules at that point. Yeah. You so, know now. So, so ser- <laughs> seriously, people, this, is, this isn't a knock against Austin because this, we both ran this test for the first time ourselves last year. So we were very much learning on this. But uh, he almost failed the entire test because of something as simple as healing. And uh, it's not a knock against him. He, he he talks about it all the time. He did not give it the as much seriousness as what he should have. And what we were talking about earlier, that uh, unspoken command, the judges were counting against him because he would slow or shuffle his feet with the dog, and they considered that a nonverbal command. And so if you don't have a reliable heel with the dog – it can really hurt you in the end of it. And, you know, it, Austin got by. Obviously, he got that prize three, but he talks about it to this day. Yeah. No, we've talked about it. So, I got hit on duck search, and then 
once they because when they read the scores out, guys, you know the duck search is at the top. So when I heard uh, the duck search scores, like yeah, we passed. And then the next thing was like, oh crap! What about the healing portion? <laughs> <laughs> so, you go from, so duck search is notoriously usually for yeah. the average dog, possibly the the hardest thing to train for on this test. And heal, it's really when you're looking at the score, most people are like, oh healing, okay, yeah, I can heal my dog. Well, so you went from the hardest one, like oh yeah, passes, and then it's like, oh crap! I get you get that stuff. Uh, feeling in the pit of your stomach over healing. And then when they said the score, I was like, oh, crap, is that even a passing score? <laughs> so, so then I was like, wait until the end of the scorecard, you know. Yeah. So it is what it is, guys. It's learning experience, and that's what we're here for. So, But, to, to again, back to my point, train hard, test easy. I think it's three feet that you have these healing stakes set up, and you're healing through these stakes. Yep. When you're training – Move those stakes in. Make it barely big enough for you and that dog to walk through that stake. Also, while you're doing it, don't just walk through the stakes with your dog. I, I've, I've been given a couple pointers. It's like, hey, walk super slow while you're training through the heel stakes, and then come test day, walk really fast. And that dog is going to be taken off. It's going to pay more attention to you. Also, while you're training, during the test, you're going to be carrying a gun. During training, you need to be carrying a gun. And I'm not talking about a little 22 pistol training uh, gimmick. I'm talking about you're carrying a shotgun just like you would on the test. Simulate every single thing that's going to be on the test as close as possible during training and make it a little more difficult, and then test day would be easier. Yeah, make it a lot more difficult if you can. Yeah. Put put decoys along outside the healing stakes. Have yeah. Have Again, people use your kids, put side. your kids out yeah. there, put birds out there, dead Have birds. distractions. Yes. Hey, here's yeah. another thing, guys. And then that way when the dog gets to it, and it's because there's going to be some things in the test that are a little bit harder, Yeah, it goes... I've seen this before. Well, again, my dogs don't talk either, Austin, but... <laughs> yeah, the dogs experienced it already, right? So... Yeah. It's, I would like it's for my not dog. overwhelmed on test day. Yep. Yeah, so... I don't, I don't one want thing my to dog to talk. To no, I don't want my dog to talk either, but it would be cool. You know, you've seen those, like... <laughs> I would love to have my dog ...piano talk deals where the dogs, like, howl <laughs> the, the songs on the piano. That would be cool if I could get the dog, like, train them to howl, you know, sing yep. a song. Side note, you know, all right, guys, back to the real thing. Uh, <laughs> you can use a leash on this, all right? This is something that I, you know, learned uh, doing this. You want a lead on the dog to be able – you want to practice with the lead on the dog going through the heel stake, okay? I took me forever last year to make up my mind whether I wanted to have a lead on the dog or not, all right? Make your mind up. You can do it either way. I'll tell you that I think the best thing to do is to have the lead on the dog. That way, if you have to make a big correction during the test, you can literally save passing or failing by giving that one big correction on the lead. And hopefully, you know, the judges will be forgiving and say, well, it'll still pass. At least the dog didn't run off down. Yeah. He's not chasing a deer a mile away. (laughs) So, you know, that's another tip. Um, And yeah, on that, I, I found with Rachel last year, she she wouldn't do worth a crap with a lead on. I had to take the lead off, and it made all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, my deal is, if you're training utility, your dog should be able to do it without a lead. Yeah. Well, here's the no, thing. No, I guys. agree, but I I agree with Alston too yeah. that if you got the dog off lead, you're you're more at risk. And it says in the rules, the dog that's off lead or on lead shouldn't be evaluated different. But if it's off lead, you're putting yourself at risk. Yeah. Um, 
Just pick a pick what you're going to do and practice that it that way. Yeah. That's that's the whole the whole theme of what I'm trying to get at here is right. just pick the way you want to do it and practice that way. Don't change it up. Um, Mine have done better off lead too. My yeah. two dog experience, uh, <laughs> it's done. Both of mine have done better off lead, and I think I don't know what goes through their mind, but I think they have to pay more attention. They know, all right, I don't have a three or four foot lead here. I got to pay. I, I got to pay closer yeah. attention. Um. So yeah, now that we spent. 45 minutes on healing <laughs> let's uh the most important part of the test what you're healing to Could through be. those heel stakes are you're you're healing to a temporary duck blind and so when you go through the heel stakes you lead them up to a duck blind and you can either sit them woe them stay them what whatever your command is for that dog to stay put this leads into the steadiness by blind portion you're going to tell them to stay woe sit whatever and you're going out of sight and you're going to fire off two blanks. And that dog is to stay by that blind and not move. And then you come back to the uh, blind. And when you get back to the blind, that closes out the section of steadiness by blind. Uh, I don't think we need to stay too much longer on that. Your dog either moves or it doesn't. It's it's that simple. Obviously, if, if it breaks, it, it's not a big deal if it just kind of turns or looks or you know, just slightly, but if your dog breaks and takes a few steps towards you or in the water or whatever, you fail. You, you just need the dog to stay there. And then immediately after that, you go into the retrieve of duck and you have a shot sequence with another gunner. You have a winger across, uh, I want to say it's like the minimum is supposed to be like 70, 80 yards or something like that. I'd have to Either look. Way, it's, it's across a pond. You have a winger out of sight. You do a shot sequence of four shots, and on that fourth shot, a uh, duck is getting launched into the water, and then you send your dog, and you're getting graded on the retrieve. Again, right. Back, back to hand, no drive-bys, no shopping, no no none of that. Commands. And yeah, no no commands. It's other just, than a fetch. Yeah, it's just, just Or whatever fetch, your then, command is. Yeah, you just fetch. And th- this sounds very elaborate and difficult, but uh, I guess we'll see how how my dog turns out but my sequence the the way i plan to train is finish with duck search which i'm kind of getting there and then move on to steadiness in the field once i'm steady in the field and and got a few reps at that this should be a pretty easy transition steadiness in the field to steadiness uh and that's honestly a lot of people will sit or stay their dog by the blind i just spent months training this dog for this utility test in the field using woe right so the steadiness in the field is based around woe why why not just use woe sure. by the duck blind that's my frame of thought a lot of people use sit and stay or whatever their thought so, is the the more i position them closer to the ground you know if you tell them yeah. to lay down then if they do make a mistake and stand all the way up they're still step. good yeah well i can tell you so Nick and I did this differently last year in utility. Imagine that. <laughs> we don't do anything different. <laughs> Scout sits down. Scout is a pretty steady dog. I mean, we got all – I think we got all fours in steadiness throughout the testing last year on all sections. But the good thing is is that um, he's been pretty reliable with the sit command on at the duck retrieve. And my thought on that, that was just a hunting scenario, guys. So it wasn't – you know, I've already taught my dog woe, and um, 
why do I need to teach him a new thing and, you know, make him, you know, stay on a different command for the duck retrieve. It was in a duck hunting scenario, my dog's not going to be on a woe. He's going to be sitting beside me in a blind or kenneled or whatever. And most of the time he's not on all fours woed, you know? And so that was the reason I taught sit, um, and and stayed with that for, uh, our utility test. And it worked out fine. Um, it's, it's your preference. It's whatever you want to do. You know, like we've talked about before on this, you can do this a million ways. You can do it a million ways. It doesn't make a difference whether he's at a woe or sitting as long as he stays there. It's your prerogative. It's your, it's your preference. It's, Hey, if if you're one of those guys that you have one of these versatile dogs and you don't ever plan on duck hunting your dog and you just want to do this to get through the test, it's like, hey, well, this is probably going to be your easier bet. But what Austin just said, there's not a single thing I can argue with on that. It, yeah. it makes sense. It's, yeah, I totally agree. For a hunting scenario, he's he's 100% correct. You can't argue it. The dog is not going to be sitting in woe, <laughs> sitting at woe in the duck blind. It's going to be sitting down or laying down in the kennel. So it's yeah, it's uh, that's true. But yeah, and I I'm I'm of the thought that I want to have the best score possible. So I'll actually I'm probably just going to put Mitchell on a woe at that thing. But then if I take him duck duck hunting, yeah. I'm going to tell him to lay down or sit. I've never taught him to sit. And then, but here's the thing with that is then you got to worry about you've done all this steadiness work. You're going to get to this point where you've done all yeah. the steadiness work with with Mitchell in the field on woe, and then you're going to have to work on steadiness with him at the blind on a sit. And so if you – I know you use an e-collar. If you're introducing an e-collar and doing all this correction work, then it gets potentially confusing if right. you don't prep him for that. Where no, it's I'm like, going to okay, do whoa yeah. for the test. What I'm saying is I will do opposite for the test of what I'm actually going to do hunt when I hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I, and what which is, which yeah. kind of goes against what like NAVDA's foundation, but I'm <laughs> NAVDA's not competitive. BC, baby, all the way. <laughs> but I want the score. We want that top score. I want the score, you know? Yeah. And I'll teach my dog to sit the morning I take him duck hunting, maybe. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. That's Yeah, yeah exactly. You gotta, you, you just, I got you. Yeah. yeah. You understand. So let's move on to the next part of the water stuff, and that's. Uh, I, hold on, uh, let, we'll finish. We'll finish with that one. Let's go to the drag next. Oh, okay. So you want so, to save the best for last? Well, we'll save the hardest and and probably the most. I I, I don't. There's probably a million different ways that everybody and personal opinions and fighting words over over the duck search. Let's go to drag, and then we'll go into the fun duck search. Tell us about that drag. Drag, it's uh, the drag is different from the track in the NA because mainly the drag is okay. Use of nose, the dog is gonna find the uh, they're gonna use the same drag that you did the duck retrieve and duck search with. They're gonna drag that. I want to say it's again specifics. We could have written this down, but you know we're we're very smart that way. It's hundred hundred and fifty yards. I think I think it's eighty to hundred yards. Let's just call it a hundred yards. But there's a ninety degree turn in it, and usually it goes into some cover. You're either starting in cover or ending in cover. What the judges want to see is use of nose. Is that dog going to search and find that uh, dead duck that they drug? And then what are they gonna do when they're out of sight of the owner? And that's why you either start or end in cover because they want to see when that dog is not being watched by that owner, 
is it going to be cooperative? Is it going to just pick up the duck and bring it back to the owner? Is it hunting with the owner or for itself? And that's really all the drag is. It's a, it's a retrieve out of sight so that the judges can see what the dog does. Yeah, and I, I just looked it up while you were talking. Uh, 100 to 200 yards, depending on terrain, with one bend, not a sharp hook, it specifies, and then it should start in fairly open cover so the dog can be observed by the judges. And then, like you're saying, finish in, yeah. finish in cover. So the, the main purpose of that part of the test is what's the dog going to do on game when it's not being supervised, when it yeah. thinks it's not being supervised. Yeah, that that's that's really it. And, uh, yeah, it's either your dog does a clean retrieve and doesn't screw around and throw it in the air, play with it, chomp it, go bury it, <laughs> whatever. Uh, if your dog doesn't go do a clean pickup, bring it back to you to hand, you know, it's bad. If if it does it, it's good. It's It's pretty much that simple, and we can move on. Yep. Part of the test. It's easier, but again, like the heel, some people overlook it. It's, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. I think there's scorecards out there that have all fours and then like a zero in any one of these categories. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, guys. Well, at the end of the day, you can train for months and a year or longer for some people for this test. And you, you sign up for the test, and you're confident. It's like, yeah, my dog's going to do this. It's going to nail it. At the end of the day, it's still a dog. It, it, it's not, it doesn't even have to be a puppy like Lucy. Just a dog. I mean, any distraction, any single thing, the humidity is different. It's raining. It's whatever. The scenting conditions change. The dog can still get creeped out over anything. And... You know, yeah. it, it's a test. I mean, it's amazing to me what we can ask these dogs to do in one day. Right. All the different tasks. And so, like what Adam said, zero in any of these categories? Completely possible. Totally possible. Doesn't mean that dog's a bad dog. It just means that there was a hiccup that happened that day. And I'm telling you, it can happen to any dog that's out there. Yeah. We've seen amazing dogs that for some reason, perform badly on one issue yeah. on one specific day. It's just what happens. Well, I mean, we have have uh, one good good guy in the chapter, Judge, in the chapter. He's run his dog three utility tests in a row, and it hasn't passed yet, but it's been from a different section of the test every, every time. time. Yeah, It failed the duck search, but then scored high on everything else. And then that was when we tested last fall. Then this spring, it did perfect on the duck search and fell, failed the field portion. It, and this is a dog that I think it went to the internet or invitational invitation. years ago. And I think the dog's maybe six years old now or so. I think it's a little older. Seven. But either way, that's what we're getting at. This is a dog that's proven itself, has already gotten a prize one, and it's now failed two or three tests in a row from different portions Every time. Yeah, so, so the dog's got it all. It just doesn't piece it, it together. can't put it together all the time. So that it tells you something. If you see a, a score where a dog's got one thing that's wrong, and then especially the next time if it's got that same thing that's maxed out yeah, and something else that's wrong, you know, the dog's got it all. But it also tells you about when you see a dog that has 
a maximum score or a prize one or, or whatever, just a good score in general, that it's able to put it together. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's impressive. So, is it duck search time? Hit us with it. This is uh, – I, th- I think me and Adam talked about this today. Uh, yep. It's not, it's not fun to train. It can be infuriating. Uh it's completely 100,000% subjective by judges. You ask one judge, they're going to say, I look for this on test day. You ask another judge, it looks for that on test day. And it's yeah. like, you can be out there with three different judges and say, hey, how was that in the duck search? And they're going to be like, ah, you know, it may have passed. And it's like, you can't even give me a straight I've heard, right I've now. heard some horror stories. Uh, what's not fun about training it? for me is you give the dog one command and then you start your timer yep. and you just sit back and watch <laughs> really. I mean, yeah. and there's some different theories, you know, if the dog uh, comes back to you or starts to come back to you, getting a, a kayak or your water vessel of choice and, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. get out there and don't even let the dog get back to the same bank that you're on or just command it to go fetch again the, the, or search, whatever your the, command is. The training for the duck search is going to be an entire episode in of itself because yeah. that can yeah. very easily be an entire episode. And, uh, but so for you guys asking, okay, what is a duck search? This is different than all AKC, uh, retriever trials and, and any other testing format. This is where you're on the bank with your dog. So we actually remember we had a guy come out one day when we were training. <laughs> yeah. And and he was a retriever guy. He has Boykins. And we're like, hey, sorry, man. We'll, we'll be out of here in we're just a minute. We're using the entire pond. He goes, no, I'm I'm just trying to figure out what you guys are doing. <laughs> yeah, what so, the hell are they doing out there? Anyways, <laughs> explain. But, yeah, so, it's, it's uh, different. And he, he, he was extremely impressed. And he was like, man, I want to learn more about this because it is it is completely different. Where the typical hunting test and circuit uh, prides itself on people being able to give uh, communication and whistles and hand signals and handling the dog to the area of the duck. In NAVDA, the duck search is you walk the dog up to the bank, you fire off one blank, and you send the dog, whether you use fetch, dead fetch, search, find it, conquer whatever (laughs) it's uh that dog is supposed to go out and it is supposed to independently no looking at you no signs no verbals well it can look at you you just (laughs) not too long just not too long (laughs) uh, but it is supposed to independently expand its search process of elimination that entire pond looking for that duck and it never saw the duck go down it never saw the duck get put in the water it never saw anything all it knows is you fired a gun you said dog go get me that duck and it's finding that duck and it's supposed to stay can you use that for a command too? dog go get that duck you can you can use whatever you want I told Austin a few weeks ago, I think I, we really missed out on some opportunity here on the command because you could be sta- <laughs> yeah. standing by and you could just yell, conquer, yeah. wh- whatever. Just goes back to bat cave for kennel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, command selection. But, yeah, so you send the dog out there, and it's supposed to be for at least 10 minutes. 
Uh, again, that's subjective. If the judges see everything that they want to see, the dog finds the duck, and it's you know eight and a half, nine minutes. They they may be done. But uh, if the dog finds the duck, then it's a graded retrieve back to you. The dog does not have to find the duck to pass the duck search. They just want to see the search. But say your dog is out there for five minutes. It finds the duck. It catches the duck. Then you're getting graded on a retrieve back to you, and they're going to have you resend the dog, this time with no shot. And the dog is still supposed to go out there. And we've seen plenty of dogs that, They'll go out there on one on a gunshot or the first deal, but then the recent hangs them up. Uh, we've seen dogs that go out for two or three minutes. They don't smell anything or see anything. They come back to you and just fart around in front of you. And uh, it, it's the ju- all the judges, it seems like they're all looking for something different. Some judges just want to see that the dog is actively looking for the duck, searching objectives here, looking over there. Some judges, they really want to see the dog go a certain distance or in a certain area, make sure that they cross off the entire map on the pond. It's just, it, 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 it's, it's different. And it's, like Adam was saying, it's very hard to train for this because the dogs, they just kind of have to figure it out. And we can help them try and figure it out. But ultimately, you're putting, you're setting the dog up for success in baby steps like everything else. And eventually, it's going to click with the dog. When it clicks with the dog, it's in good shape. But it takes forever for most, the average dog for it to click. And it's not exciting because, like Adam said, you're sending the dog, you're starting a timer, and then you're standing there in one spot. Usually in the sun, <laughs> just sweat. Yeah, and there's way more to it than just sending the dog and waiting. But that's but that's all you're doing. There's a lot of, I guess, dog psychology and training that goes. We can into literally it. spend an yeah, hour to two. We could hours talk just for an hour about, about how to do that. We well, are. We, we will. will. Yeah. Yeah. We will. I mean, eventually. just an example. Not not to get like deep into it, but Nick and I talked for 15 minutes at the trucks today about whether or not you should heal your dog up to do a duck search and we kind of concluded that it depends on where you're at in training with your dog but on test day you're not being evaluated on healing at that part but you are steadiness when they fire a shot and then you release your dog to go so right now with my dog and and i think with most people we're not worried about the healing up to it no we're worried about the search and then when we when we go back and do healing and healing and steadiness and all that it should click pretty quickly with the with the duck search portion of it yeah the healing part anyways the duck search or the steadiness part sorry yeah so the the duck search it it kind of seems to be unanimous i I haven't heard yeah some people have an issue with the field or the steadiness as opposed to the duck search usually your average person when you're talking to them even if they're they're ready for the duck search come test time the bulk of the issue or the hardest thing drilling with the dogs was the duck search. Uh, I mean, you might find a person here or there that might might say otherwise, and it's, hey, you lucked out. <laughs> like, what can I say? Uh, good for you. Yeah, that good is, for you. That is a good issue not to have. So, me personally with Lucy, I went into training for, for utility. Again, I wasn't training for utility. It just kind of happened this way. Uh, I went into uh, – to training thinking that she was going to be a natural at duck search and that she was going to have issues in the field. 
then it transitioned to she was having all the issues in the world on duck search and she was 100% solid and ready to rock in the field to where now it seems like she's ready to rock in duck search yeah. and kind of questionable in the field depending on what day it is. Yeah. It's, again... Hopefully sinning conditions have a lot to do with that. It does, cool. but she is a small moose lander. She is still young. I know for a fact next spring next training season that's what i'm working on is staunchness on point she has a nose she is steady it's it's none of those questions the issue is her pointing capability wild birds and that's what we're gonna get right unfortunately Hopefully. the wild birds comes you know the following weeks after the test uh but she points it's just she's got that little unsure puppy i think i smell something not 100 percent sure small moonstrander point but well, what's important is you know when she's pointing. I mean, I, as far as being able to well to hunt with the dog, not well, saying she's just a meat dog. She, I know but, when she's working a bird, right? And then when she stops moving, is her point. She doesn't, right. and it's not until I really get up close to her was when she goes staunch on point. But she's very dependent on me to confirm that she is yes, indeed, smelling a bird. And to Alson's point, wild birds is going to help with that. Uh, we just can't get on wild birds right now. And uh, there, there's also some drills and stuff you can do with traps, which I'm going to be focusing on next year, whether she passes or fails this test. I'm pretty confident. It, it's strange to me that with a 16-month-old pup, I'm actually more confident going into this test this year than what I was last year with a three-and-a-half-year-old. But I, we've all seen her do the work. Uh, it's just a matter of what kind of puppy I'm getting and what level that I'm going to get her on because it's a long day. It's a lot of stuff to do in one day. It's a lot of waiting around between excitement and that puppy can show up at any time and just say, I just want to play. I've been bored all day waiting yeah. for my turn. It, I mean, that's what I was getting at earlier. We are asking them so much, you know. I mean, that's – I was talking to a guy yesterday at training day, you know, and he was like, man, I'm just – so happy with how versatile these dogs are and you know how just they can do really anything and it's amazing it really is I, I just I always have to bring myself back to that whenever there's an issue or whenever there's some you know something that doesn't go exactly right I have to go look we're asking this dog to not only go out be totally steady in the field Go out and retrieve that game on one command. Deliver it to hand to me with, you know, knowing that that's their prize for them doing all the work. Then we ask them to go in the water and independently search for, you know, <laughs> yeah. forever. And then when they do finally find that duck, to bring it all the way back yeah. to us. And, guys, sometimes these retrieves, depending on how big of a pond you're on, I mean, they're a long – that's a long Hundreds retrieve. of yards sometimes. Yes. And so – it's a big deal to ask these dogs to do everything. So I always have to bring myself back to that where I'm going, okay, we're asking them to do 10 different things. These are dogs. Some of them contradictory things. And, and we, you just have to be proud that you're even there, that you've got a dog that can do that and that you've put in the time and it's a whole, it's about the journey. Like I was saying earlier, you've, you've put in the time, you understand what the dog can do. And when they all put together, it's amazing. Never, never lose the amazement or awe of what these dogs do and do for you. It's like, it's just, they live for this stuff and they live to make you happy. And you're out there, 
you're not training. I know we use that word a lot. We're not training these dogs to do anything. We're kind of molding these dogs to act a certain way within what is already coming natural to them. And so you're yep. you're taking their natural ability and you're molding it to a desired action and result to what is in their genetics and DNA. And when you get a dog that does all this stuff for you and just even on just a, a daily basis, just a training basis, it doesn't even have to be on testing. It's amazing and you should never take it for granted what, I mean, just the effect that it has on you. And I mean, not to get corny about this, but that's, that's what we love about this stuff. And I mean, I know you were, Adam, you were ecstatic and how Mitchell transitioned yeah. in the duck search today. Big time. It's, it really is. It, when these dogs catch on and it starts clicking and it's like, Hey, I didn't teach you how to point, but I, I instilled the, the obedience and desired effect and with that pointing ability, it's it really goes back to cooperation and working with that dog yourself. Yep. Absolutely. So E D I Y baby. Yeah. So now, now that yep. you know, a little corny. Uh but any anything else real quick? I know I mean we've we've stretched this longer than what we thought, but that's that's two of the I mean that's what your average person in in NAVDA is going to run is an NA and utility, and if you're lucky enough, you can move on to the invitational. But it's it's a big test, and we we really ran through it, even though we went long. Yeah. Uh, you guys got anything? The only else? thing I would add is that is that the whole design of NAVDA makes dogs better, and it makes it allows people that have a hunting breed that initially get a dog and go, well, that's a cool looking dog, or let me read this breed description real quick. That sounds good. It allows them to be able to hunt with it. I know utility. We started out by saying it's a finished dog. A lot of natural ability dogs, you can hunt with them. You can take them out to a hunting preserve Absolutely. a couple times a year, take your buddies with you and have a good time. And the dog's going to point a preserve hunt with a natural sure. ability dog. Yeah, that's I mean, a great point. You, I mean, sure you can. can, you can hunt that dog and it'd be productive <clears throat> and it just, you know, it, you don't have to go on to utility. We all want our dogs to be that top-level dog, so that's yeah. why we do it. Because even yeah. if they fall short and they don't pass that test, they're going to be a better hunting dog because of it. And that's what I tell everybody. Hey, you don't want to test? That's fine. Like, testing's not for everybody. But train as if you were testing because you're, you're just going to end up with a better dog because of it. What are you going to lose? So, yep, for sure. Adam, you going to keep us in line in this test, Mr. Marshall? Yeah, I'm going to try to. This is good practice. I didn't have to speak up too much, but <laughs> you guys disagree. But that's that's what uh, we all. That's what helps people learn is disagreeing about stuff and right. and thinking about it and being able to improve. And it in the end, it helps our dogs. But so. in the end, we can all disagree on everything. But the thing that we agree on is the dogs and the quality of dogs. And we wouldn't be out here just grilling, talking dogs if. Yeah. We all didn't share the same passion. That's right. And, uh, you know, the dogs brought all our families together just sitting here grilling, drinking yeah. some beer, and having a good time tonight. So Absolutely. Uh, so, everybody, sorry if we uh, extended this a little too long for your taste, but uh, it, it, was, it was a lot to cover, and we we're trying to fit it in as quick as possible. Uh, real quick, social media, we're growing. Help us grow faster. Share us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, Gundog It Yourself. If you like what we're doing, 
Uh, rate and review, five stars. Just click that five star. We would love to hear the review. We're getting some good reviews out there. We're, we're reading them or we're trying to do our best on uh, correcting any of the any of the suggestions that we're getting. So just keep that up. Uh, tag us in anything you're doing. We want to see what you're training. We want to see your dogs. We want to get your input. And uh, so tag us at Gundog It Yourself, hashtag Gundog It Yourself. If you want to shoot us a long-winded email and explain anything, give us suggestions, Gundog It Yourself at gmail.com. We, uh, we have anything else? Nope. That's it. All right. Well, appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. See y'all. Thanks. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.